It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 308 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, April 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. Leave a rating and a review on the iTunes page. It's the easiest way to help out the show. It's very much appreciated. Also, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, daily shows for Locked On Fantasy and Locked On NBA now, uh, with hosts from across the network doing the Locked On NBA show. Uh, the Friday shows in particular with Anthony Irwin and Adam Mares are excellent, so make sure you check those out. Uh, and uh, yeah, just lots of great stuff going on in the network, so make sure you're finding shows you like and, and subscribing and rating and reviewing and supporting the hosts of those shows. Uh, it's very much appreciated. On today's show, speaking of other Locked On hosts, I did a podcast with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. He's been on the show a million times before uh, for our you know quarterly East Eastern Conference check-in type of thing. Uh, we waited to record until Saturday because there were a couple big games on Friday night in relation to the Eastern Conference standings. Of course, the, of course, the Raptors clinched first overall in the East, which is awesome. Uh, and, you know, before we get to the very sad and worrisome and stressful part of the playoffs where you're looking at seeding and worrying about the bracket, uh, I would say just, like, take a second to appreciate how good this Raptors season has been. It's been a joy to watch, man. It's been... Excuse me. It's been just... Uh, Unexpected and and just blissful, and it, I I can't say enough about this Raptors team. It's been so enjoyable, and while there have been some up and downs in recent weeks, uh, I think the last couple games in which they've held the Sixers and Pacers, or sorry, the Celtics and Six uh, Celtics and Pacers combined to about as many points as the Cavs allowed to the Sixers last night. Uh, I, I think you know the, this team is very much primed for a good playoff run. Even if it gets caught up with a Cavs second round matchup, like you know, that'll poison it a little bit and sour things a little bit. But I think there's lots of reason to be confident in this team and the sort of future of it. And so, yeah, congrats to the Raptors for getting a franchise record and wins, and uh, for clinching the Eastern Conference for the first time in franchise history. Uh, outside of that game was the Cavs Sixers game I mentioned, and that was very impactful for the Eastern Conference standings and the bracket. Uh, so Chris and I waited to record this until after that game. Uh, so we just got into a whole bunch of stuff. We got into how we really think we think the Sixers are uh, sort of optimal matchups for the Cavs and Raptors, whether the Cavs are trying to get the three seed or whether or not they're okay to just tank it down to the four. Uh, lots of stuff in this one, just sort of previewing the East playoff bracket before we actually know what it is. Uh, so hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Here's the conversation with Chris Manning. Hey, I'm Chris Manning from Locked on Cavaliers. And I'm Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors. And we have... Lots of stuff to talk about today. So the backstory of this podcast is we were going to 
record uh, a Locked on Cavs Raptors crossover thing before yesterday's games, which we realized at the time, 90 minutes before Sixers Cavs tipped off, that it was probably not a great idea because we kind of just want to talk about the East playoff picture and how it's all going to work out. And it turns out that Sixers Cavs game was pretty important for how the East standings are going to play out. So um, for Raptors, Locked on Raptors listeners, we're coming to you with no episode on a Friday, so we got one on Saturday, uh, but this is the reason. It's for good reason. The the show is fresh and will be for a little bit at least until some other team dis- or the Wizards decide to lose to some other dumb team and screw up the standings even more. <laughs> well, so. and I think and I think the good thing about us waiting to 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 just pat ourselves on the back even more for for being valuing that context is based on how many games are left, based on the Sixers schedule, based on a variety of other factors. The one through four right now feels very locked in because Toronto beat the Celtics earlier this week because Philly beat the Cavs. One through four in the Eastern Conference very much looks like Raptors, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Pacers are pretty much locked in at five in this scenario as well. The the drama in the East right now is really who the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Sixers would face if if this holds true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think. The Raptors are fine with whoever they play, but are you are you happy if they avoid Giannis? Like right now, it would be Raptors get the eight seed Wizards, who are likely going to be there unless the Bucks fall down. The Bucks are at seven against the Celtics, which would be sweet, sweet amazingness if the <laughs> if the the Bucks beat the Celtics in round one, and then you get the Heat and the Sixers in in the three six matchup with the Cavs playing the Pacers for the second in a row under very very different circumstances. <laughs> but does does that hold interest you in terms of the Raptors getting the Wizards with John Wall with Bradley Beal in round one? Well, I mean, Raptors fans have horrible memories of the Wizards, but the Wizards are also weird and kind of stink, and have gone 2-8 and eight in their last 10, and seem to really hate playing with John Wall as on the team. Um, I'm, like, way less confident than you that the standings are locked in, to be honest, because, like, if we could trust all these teams to win these games, then, like, I would say, yeah, like, this is probably going to be locked in, but the Bucks, their next three games, they play the Knicks, the Magic, and the Sixers. I do not trust the Bucks to win any of those games, and I could totally see them beating the Sixers in the last game of the season, in which case uh, that could potentially bump the Sixers down to four if the Cavs win their last two games against the Knicks, which I feel like they'll probably do, even though they play, uh, you know, what do they play a back-to-back in there? No, they don't. Um, no, it's, yeah, yeah. They, it's this is all pretty spaced out, and we're recording yeah. this on a Saturday, and... Yeah. If you're looking at the, 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 there are four, there are five days left of basketball left, and they like for in this three-four battle, the Cavs play twice, yeah, which is I think good for them. Um, and just rest-wise, I think it's good for them. And the Sixers play three times. That's not exactly a a very difficult taxing stretch of basketball. Yeah, so like compared to what you'd see other rest of the year. Yeah, so I'm not like gonna say this is what's gonna be locked in because I've said multiple times this season like oh yeah this is locked in now the Heat are gonna be the seventh seed or the eighth seed or whatever and I just don't know if the Wizards are eighth Raptors fans are gonna lose their minds because they like to you know fear monger over every single playoff matchup and like I think just in terms of talent and the way the Wizards are set up and just like what they've shown in the playoffs in the past like I do think that's the worst matchup for the Raptors in round one I wouldn't like to see it uh, John Wall is has always been a particular problem for Kyle Lowry. Lowry's a good defender. He's been excellent this week in particular, but against quicker, sort of more physical point guards, he's kind of struggled a little bit. And the Raptors 
pick and roll defense has been much better in terms of sorting sort of guarding guys who kind of like to pop for threes around around screens and sort of or drive to the rim like those those types of point guards has been very good against but John Wall loves to sort of hang out in the mid-range and that is kind of the area where the Raptors can be exposed by a really good mid-range shooter because they're bigs like to hang back because they go over on every screen uh, I, I feel like John Wall is a particularly difficult matchup for what the Raptors are doing in terms of their scheme they can kind of change things up based on who they have in there because all their centers kind of have different skills but um, that's one concern and like Bradley Beal has always roasted the Raptors and Marching Gortat's always been kind of a weird foil to Jonas Valanciunas where normally JV will do really well against sort of more center bound centers that's a bad use of English um, the paint bound centers like he usually does pretty well against but Gortat for some reason has always given him troubles whether it's you know physically or just like, I don't know if he's in his head or something but uh, that, that's never been a great matchup and you know Otto Porter like there's not really you know a great solution for him because the Raptors have kind of had a rotating cast of small forwards who have all played you know mostly not super well over the course of the season aside from OG Ananobi who uh, this week has been a little bit resurgent but has had some struggles over the last couple weeks as well so like the Wizards are always a tough matchup I still think the Raptors would win that series in five or six probably uh, but it's not like the ideal matchup I'm totally down for the Raptors to play the Bucks. I think the Bucks are just like this directionless kind of wasteful in terms of like just not making use of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo's amazing skills and I, I just I think they're not a very good team and I think the Raptors showed last season that with one lineup change they kind of solved that series and that you know the start of that last year series required Thon McCurr to play out of his goddamn mind for three games and he hasn't done that at all this season so I just think there there's a lot more sort of areas in which the Raptors can attack the Bucks and be totally fine in that series. The Heat are just annoying, and I think that series would be boring. So give me Bucks, uh, Raptors in the first round if I can choose my, my poison. Um, but yeah, I, it's honestly, Raptors fans, I think, are looking more towards the second round stuff uh, and sort of how the bracket's going to break. My question to you that we, sorry, I can get we can get to the Cavs first round matchup if you want, but um, my question to you about the Cavs is like, do you think they are trying to get that three seed? Like, are they going all out for because it, it really seems like they are. Raptors fans always kind of think that all every team is trying to tank down to play the Raptors or line themselves up with the Raptors, and I just think that would be <laughs> just the the par- the Raptors and paranoia. Oh yeah, has ever be, like super bad like, because the Cavs beat them twice. Oh yeah, and, and like ever since very different. Ever since the Nets, like, pretty much admitted they did that back in 2014, like, yeah, we're tanking down to play the Raptors in the 3-6, Raptors fans are worried that teams are trying to tank, but I think it would be very stupid of the Cavs to intentionally tank their way to four to miss out on the Celtics bracket and play the Raptors, not only because they'd be up against the Raptors, but because, you know, the the Pacers seem like kind of an annoying team to play, uh, more so than the Heat, and... Like, I don't know, it just seems like the Cavs, you know, LeBron played like the last 13 minutes of regulation last night. That's not a tanking move by any means. So, like, do you think the Cavs would like to end up in that three seed? Because it seems like that's probably the prime place to be. I agree that it is the prime place to be. I, It's hard to know, I think, because they have so many other just things happening. Mm-hmm. Where I just don't know how much, I, I don't know how much LeBron really cares like that, I think for starters, I think he just feels like they need to get there, and he he's had a couple comments recently that makes me think he just wants to to get there and just see just just go go think about it then because yeah. he as well as Kyle Korver and as well as Ty Lue said after the Wizards game this week that it's felt like they've had three seasons or four seasons within one, and it's just been hard to remember how things have just transpired dating back to the, to like the early part of the season. 
Um, I mean, it feel. I mean, for me, as, as someone covering the team, it's not even been two months, but it feels like two years ago that Isaiah Thomas was a Cavalier. <laughs> like, it just feels like another world. It feels like another lifetime. Um, at the same note, LeBron has also said that he just doesn't know what this group is going to be until they get there. He doesn't. He, you know, Tristan, whose role is much smaller this season than it's been in years past, is is one of the four guys on the final team. It's Kevin Love, Bear Smith, LeBron James, and Tristan Thompson, the only guys that, that won the title with this team. And maybe they signed Dante Jones next week because they have two <laughs> open roster spots that they haven't done anything with, and that just that just feels like it, it's bound to happen. There's a serious um, dick-punching void on the Cavs roster right now. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they need they need the ornery guy who like actually isn't very good at basketball anymore to just come in and and do stuff. But um, you know, and and they haven't done anything with those roster spots. They just have had two open roster spots for months. But I don't know because I think they just need to get there. Like Rodney Hood has never made a deep playoff run like this before, right? And he's just been injured a lot. Um, George Hill has not played in the playoffs since he was with the Pacers, and it's different playing against LeBron than. Uh, or made a deep play for him at least. And it's it's different playing against LeBron than just playing with LeBron, right? Like how's Larry Nance, who hasn't played exactly great since he came back, right? Like how's he gonna look? How is you know how are all these guys that haven't made this run before or are not? He's like how's Jordan Clarkson gonna to handle the Eastern Conference Finals? Like mm-hmm. these are just questions we don't know, and I I just don't know if I don't know if they care. I think they'd prefer to have the three seed because. You know, for one, it, it gets you, uh, I think, an easier opponent in the first round. And I, no, this is—I don't think Indiana is exactly going to blow the doors off any team in round one. But I think you'd rather get the Heat, even if you, that means you know having having to actually win a game at South Beach for the first time since LeBron came back. They haven't done that, <laughs> which is which is bizarre. Um, but I don't know if they care. I, I think they'd rather have it, but I don't know if they're actively pursuing it. I just think they want to feel comfortable and right. more than anything because George Hill hasn't, has missed several games. Now Rodney Hood left the Sixers game with an Achilles injury after just coming back from a back issue. Um, they don't know how to really work. The, the rotations look weird and they don't know how to, to play Nance and Thompson. If they can play Nance and Thompson, if Jeff Green's going to start. Uh, they, there's just so much up in the air with this guys team where I think they just want to keep there. They just want to finish this regular season and then you have LeBron, and then I think you're just hoping, okay, LeBron's the best player in the world still. Let, let's see how far he can take us and bring up to the rest of this group if they're healthy. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, watching that game last night against the Sixers, it really became apparent to me that this is very much a one-man team at this point. Like, Kevin Love's very good. I, I don't want to discredit Kevin Love, but, like... Just LeBron is at this other level, and it feels like he's kind of dragging dudes. And like Chetty Osman misses those two open threes, like unbelievably open threes late in the game that probably could have sealed the win for the Cavs if they had both gone down. 
and you know Rodney Hood leaves injured and like he always leaves injured and he's just never playing uh and then George Hill as well he was excellent in the game against the Raptors a couple weeks ago uh but he's been out of the lineup as well and like uh, while I think George Hill's probably their third best player when everyone's healthy like I don't know how much you can rely on this Cavs team to be entirely healthy and I, I don't know does the health thing concern you or is LeBron just enough where it's like yeah they're they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals anyway like I know the Raptors have lost two pretty, you know, one uninspiring game this week, one really close game a couple weeks ago against the Cavs. Like, how much do you think the, the LeBron thing is going to be able to carry the Cavs against the Raptors? Like, the Raptors have kind of rediscovered themselves a little bit, held the Celtics to 78 and uh, the Pacers to 73 points this season, uh, this week in back-to-back games. Like, they seem to have kind of rediscovered their defense, which was what was missing during the time where they were really struggling. Um, and it feels like everyone's kind of coalescing at this point. Serge Ibaka had like a 25-8 and eight night last night, and he feels like he's kind of ramping up for the playoffs. Like, if the Raptors are fully functioning... How much can the can the Cavs afford to sort of just rely on LeBron? Because that's kind of still my biggest question about the Eastern Conference playoffs is, like, even if the Raptors and Cavs play in the second round, like, I think that's the two best teams in the conference playing each other. Um, and, like, I don't know how to sort of judge that series because the Raptors have been so good all season long. They're statistically, stylistically, they just seem like a more sort of co- together and congealed team than the Cavs do. But LeBron is always there, and it's terrifying, and I hate it. Um, and it's just it's, it's it's exhausting to have to sort of view everything through the lens of LeBron. But like, at what point does the supporting cast become questionable enough that you would sort of doubt the Cavs to win a series? I think a couple things. Number one, I think Kevin Love has been very. He's shooting like almost fifty percent from three since he's come back from injury. He's been, and he's actually taking a step back from the three point line, which is a little interesting adjustment. Mm-hmm. But he's been really good. I don't think. I think when you look at Toronto in particular, I don't. Th- I think there. I think it starts with LeBron, obviously, because I don't think anyone on Toronto really that has to guard LeBron. The Cavs don't care. Mm-hmm. Like no shit. I love OG Anubi. The Cavs do not care if they're like gonna throw OG at him. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're waiting for the rap for Dwayne Casey to put CJ Miles on LeBron for stretches, right? Like they are they are hoping they like they don't care if Serge does it either. I don't think. Um, I frankly don't think they they're threatened by Serge even on Kevin Love. Um, I think that what you're gonna see is they're gonna say, okay, Kevin Love, yes, he's gonna have the size disadvantage against against Jonas and um, against maybe Pirtle and and maybe Ibaka. I mean, mm-hmm. just in terms of height, but. I don't think they care because I think they're going to have him come up behind the three-point line and shoot threes and do all this other stuff. But I also think this is very reliant on LeBron. It's it's one of the, the reasons – like I think they're going for like an optimized version of offensive LeBron is how they're setting things up because I think in the, this NBA in particular and, and with what you have, they're, they're going to go small and with shooting. So you're going to have – I don't know who with the two guard depending on Hood's health. I almost wonder if they're going to try to start Corver and just see what happens. But mm-hmm. – at least maybe not against Toronto, um, because I would mean LeBron's having to guard somebody, and they, they know, or, or, well, I don't know. That gets complicated, but I I, I think they're just going to go for offensive maximization of LeBron, and that involves getting Kevin Love involved. I think that involves him being very good, but it means a lot of shooting, and it, it kind of maybe does mean Jeff Green at the four. They're better on defense with Jeff Green on the floor, too, for whatever that means for the year, in, a, in like over a 1,000 minutes um, by like six points, hmm. and which is bizarre, but... Because Jeff Green's not good, but um, <laughs> even though he's been good, but like, yeah. But I don't, I just think like it is LeBron. And I think 
but it also is just like they Kevin Love's really good, and I think you're just seeing a team that really misses. This is like where they maybe miss Kyrie because I I think Kevin Love is fantastic. I don't know if he he's sort of like Al Horford in the sense that he's very very good at what he does, and he's just a, he's a top about twenty five player or whatever. But does he, like how much is he like just strictly elevating you in the ways, especially with how the Cavs use him in the in the sense that they don't feed him elbow touches, they mm-hmm. don't give him all, they they rely on him to post up more this year a little bit at least visually, but they do not necessarily run hubs of offense. They don't use him at least in the regular season. They have not used him to play on the floor when LeBron sits, and and a thing that I think they they should do in the playoffs, um, and make him the hub of the offense while LeBron sits, even if that. It gets awkward because Jordan Clarkson's not good and stuff. But I think this team, because it hasn't played a lot together, because I think it's flawed on its edges to some degree. I think um, there, there's a lot of room for improvement and retooling if they end up keeping LeBron this summer. I think I think that's just what we're going to see. Is like how do they maximize all this different stuff that isn't perfect? And I, but that ends up just being LeBron has to be insane. And that's that, but like you can probably bet on that, and that's yeah. also got that's like also terrifying for the Cavs to some degree, and terrifying for the Raptors. I mean, this team has made the, the made it to six games in the finals because LeBron dragged them there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's happened before. I mean, we're we're three years, four years removed from Delhi and Mozgov being the <laughs> second and third best players on a Cavs team that took the Warriors to six games. So yeah. it it is what it is. It's just kind of like a different version of that, maybe. The one thing that happened in the game last night against the Sixers that I kind of find interesting and, you know, we don't often see it, especially in the context of Raptors-Cavs matchups, is, like, the Sixers, even when LeBron was trying to ISO, they were just like, okay, we're just going to double him at the point of attack and just make him pass off to somebody. And I wonder, like, in years past, that was terrifying because you had Kyrie and you had a more realized version of J.R. Smith and, like, they were just a better team overall. Uh, but I do wonder if, like, just completely selling out your entire defense to stop LeBron might actually be an okay strategy because maybe there's less that can kill you. And maybe when you have Kyle Korver out there um, and George Hill instead of Chetty Osman or whoever, Rodney Hill instead of Osman, like, maybe it's a little, you know, you, it's harder to sort of live with that strategy because those guys can kill you. But uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of think the Cavs supporting cast, the, while the trades improved them, I'm not sure... I'm impressed by it at all still, and the, the the lack of continuity, the lack of health, really, I, I I'd be kind of concerned if I'm a Cavs fan. I still think I'd probably take them in a series against the Raptors, but um, like it, I think it'd be very close, and I think there are ways in which the Cavs supporting Cavs could kind of help mitigate the dominance of LeBron, if that makes any sense. Um, I want to ask you about the Sixers because they, I have not really bought them over this winning streak they've had because their schedule has been such a cream puff, but. Uh, they looked really good last night against the Cavs. Obviously, they almost blew a 30-point lead, which would have looked really bad and still kind of speaks to some of the issues I think that team has. But at the same time, there's no Embiid there. Um, is, has there been a point, was it maybe last night, where you kind of looked at the Sixers as like kind of being for real? One thing I'll add real quick to the the, the supporting cast yeah. um, is that when they played, the, I think what you said about like defending LeBron to like an extreme degree as a good defender strategy. The Wizards did that at the end of the game the other night when the Cavs came back from 17 down. Mind yeah. you, that was after leading by like 15 and then blowing that and leading by trailing by 17. But yeah. they came on the way back in the fourth, and the play that sticks out to me from that game, it's like a minute 16 to go. LeBron attacks through the middle, 
and the defense collapses, and they left Kyle Korver and, Lebr- and Kevin Love open on the left wing. So right. LeBron just got to like throw it to one of those two guys to hit open three. Um, the Cavs are going to be very happy with that, and I th- I think when if they have that much shooting, it's like where it's like if they had a better Jeff Green. Like, if they could have pulled off, like, the Paul George thing or could have gotten, like, someone that's just, like, a better version of that guy, or if they can this summer, I think that, like, that's when they hit that next level again and maybe get back to being as terrifying as they were mm-hmm. two years ago or whatever. But I think the Sixers are terrifying. Yeah. Um, number one, I think that Embiid obviously is just something no team really can deal. Like, there are very few, like, it's kind of like LeBron in the sense that there's just very few guys you're comfortable throwing on him and even then you're just like well he's still gonna do a lot of really good stuff ben simmons is like incredible yep he's awesome um he's like he's already like what a top 20 nba player maybe and he can't even like he hasn't even forgotten his jumper yet he hasn't even tried Um, to shoot a three yet (laughs) no like the guy is absurd his vision is is unreal the guy's feel for the game is unreal um that team is hungry that team is i think well coached they have a lot of good they guys like covington and reddick and all the and they've shooting and sarich is good um, you know, Fultz hasn't been a, hasn't been a disaster, which is, just shows you how stupid the conversation on Marco Fultz was in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, and just problematic that conversation was. I would argue, but I when we look at this, the standings right now, and you look at how the Cavs, I think for the Cavs and the Raptors to talk themselves into winning the finals this year, if we would look at this 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 seating right now, we would say I think the third likeliest team to make it out right now would probably would be Philly with Cavs and Raptors being one and two whenever order you want to put them Philly has a chance to like make not only maybe like go get make this like bizarre and like right now if it is one four Cavs Raptors and two three Celtics Sixers they're probably making the Eastern Conference Finals they're going to be in my bracket if this holds true Mm -hmm. because the Celtics are just so banged up don't have Kyrie don't have Hayward etc like the way the Cavs and Raptors like need to get to the finals, to, I think have a chance against Houston or Golden State is to get there with rest and not be banged up. The Sixers, at the very least, have a chance to like make themselves pronounced as like making it that far this year, mm-hmm. and by just like taking a lot out of either the Cavs or Raptors. Like the Cavs coming out of a seven-game series against Philly, I think would be beat up yep. and and run down. And maybe Toronto mitigates that a little bit more because they're deeper. But I can't imagine having to play Simmons and Embiid who are just obviously incredible for seven, if it goes seven games, six games, whatever, is going to have you in, like, the best shape to take on the teams that are, I, I think, far and away the best have are the favorites to win the title this year. And even if they beat the crap out of each other in their possible Western Conference final series, mm-hmm. Philly just seems like a team that, at the very least, is disrupting this whole conversation in, in a way that's maybe earlier than we expected. But I think they're for real. And I think it's because they have two guys that are just absurd, even though they're, they're still very, very young in their careers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I've been sort of holding out to sort of declare that I think the Sixers are, like, very, very real and scary. But, like, I'm, at, I'm there now. Like, their defense is incredible. 
Simmons is just ridiculous. And, like, when they get Embiid back... And, like, here's the whole thing. Is, like, if Embiid's not back right away, I could see this team losing in the first round. Like, uh, this is... it's They're the weirdest team because I could see them, like, making some sort of Cinderella run to the finals, but I could also see them losing in the first round because their offense sort of betrays them against, you know, whatever team they come across. Um, You know, maybe... Like, especially if, like, the Wizards end up somehow in their bracket which they're not right now because the 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 Raptors Cavs Wizards side of the bracket is so much more stacked than the one the Sixers would, would be on in this current you know rendition of the standings um, but like I could see the Wizards beating the Sixers in round one like I is that I'm still like hesitant to trust young dudes and I feel like Simmons's lack of shooting will eventually kind of be a thing that teams try to exploit somehow obviously his ability to drive pretty much wherever he wants and find other dudes like that obviously helps mitigate that but um like that's going to be a thing and like i just don't think their crunch time offense is particularly good and i think that could betray them as well so like i wouldn't be shocked if the sixers ended up losing a series we all sort of penciled them in to win but at the same time yeah they they are horrifying and their defense is just oppressive and they're so big and you know really sort of require a lot of you know matchup juggling to try to go up against them and like with a fully functioning Embiid, it's it's horrifying but I would still put them, like, I would say the Raptors and Cavs are on a tier of their own, and then the Sixers are kind of on their own tier, although the Wizards, I think, are kind of oddly in there, even though they're eight, the eighth seed and just lost to the Hawks and are just generally bad. But, um, like, the Wizards scare the hell out of me still. And, and like, the, the East is so, like, I think these playoffs are going to be really damn good. I really do. I, like, I could even see the Celtics just defending their way and trying their way to a first-round win against, like, the Bucks or the Heat or the Wizards, too. Like, I, I feel like... More so than maybe in any years past, it just feels like anyone could beat anybody. Um, and, like, I don't think anyone's beaten the Cavs in the first round. Like, I don't think the Pacers are going to do it. Um, the Wizards, I think, have been sufficiently snuffed out as a team that could actually challenge LeBron. I feel like their spirit was broken this week. Um, but I don't know. Like, are you excited for this East playoff run? I, I feel like it could kind of be soiled if the, the the bracket kind of leans too heavily one way and then we won't get the, the perfect matchup in the conference finals. But other than that, like, it just feels like... The, the playing field is pretty solid. Aside from the Bucks, I think every team is pretty well coached and sort of has their stuff together on some level and has enough talent to sort of make noise in a series. It's just, I'm pretty excited for it. I think it's going to be a really good time. I'm very excited for these East playoffs. Yeah. I think they are going to be competitive in a way they haven't been. I think the Cavs just being somewhat of an unknown is frankly just makes it very interesting. Yeah. I, I think... Even last year, when it was just like okay, they're gonna, it was just okay, they're gonna get to the finals, and it's the same team, and they're gonna be the same. We just don't know to some degree, right? Like, there's there's no there's not enough data for us to look at the lineup data or the player data or any stat you want to look at and say, okay, I can understand this team. There's just there, I don't think there's there's enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even know like how much guys like Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson are going to play or what their rotations are going to look like. Like We don't even know what the Cavs' defense is going to look like, and it's probably not going to be good because they've always surged ahead on offense in the playoffs, which I think feeds into kind of my theory about this team. But they, uh, David Griffin has said a couple times in recent interviews, that's ex-Cavs GM David Griffin, that... They practice a different defense in the regular season in, in the limited amount of practice they have mm-hmm. because they and they run that in the playoffs and they don't run what they did in the regular season in the in, in the playoffs. Right. Which is just like that's kind of bizarre, <laughs> but um, yeah, we just don't know. With with Boston, I mean, it's not. I mean, what this tells me is that not only is this year going to be really really good and interesting and all kinds of crazy because there's just so many different scenarios, but. The, the top of the East, depending on how what happens with LeBron, 
what happens with the Raptors, um, with their and how long this this peak that they're at right now can sustain. If Kyrie and Hayward get healthy, if if MB can stay healthy over the next couple of years and in the long term, what happens with Giannis? All these other teams, the East is in a good place mm-hmm. in terms of its competitiveness, and that in itself is really exciting because it has been. I mean, no shade to the sixty and Hawks or anything, but no shade those hot that Hawks <laughs> team all you want, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Utter garbage. Uh, I love Kyle Korver, so uh, and I know. Also, Mark, forever screw the, the Hawks for giving the Cavs Korver for nothing. Like, what hey, are you doing? Look, low, <sighs> low key, low key important subplot of this summer is the Hawks pick they got for Korver because if LeBron leaves, the Cavs should 100 percent tank because the top the pick that they traded for Korver is top ten protected in 2019 and 2020, and then it would convert to a second round pick. They should 100 percent just tank. <laughs> if, if if that that that's a side note, but uh, it it could be nothing functionally in a in a mid lottery pick for the Cavs would be nothing in twenty twenty if LeBron stays. But yeah, I like this East, the East is in a good place, and I I enjoy the fact that we have a team like Philly, a team like Toronto that it, and, and a team like Toronto that are disrupting in their own ways. And Boston, I mean, when Boston's healthy next year, that's depending on what they do this summer too. That's another team that's just disrupting the the norm of the East in some way. And I think it's good that we're getting that. And this year, I just don't. I feel very confident, and I agree with you in saying that Toronto and Cleveland are one and two, mm-hmm. and and are in their own class. Even if I have a lot of concerns about what the Cavs are actually going to be, Philly just again has a chance, I think, to really make this uncomfortable. And you know, I I think all the first round series to some degree are going to have things that are going to be complicated, right? Like, if the Cavs, the Cavs get the Pacers, let's say, Indiana hasn't certainly doesn't play a modern style, and El Depot hasn't been as good statistically the last couple months. Well, but he got eaten by OG last night. Yeah. Two, to, two um, of nine for five points. OG was all over that. It was beautiful. Anyway, carry on. They're like 7-1 they're like and one against some of the league's best teams this year. It's like Cleveland, Golden State, uh, in Houston or something like that, some like group of teams that includes the Warriors that mm. they're like seven one against, and they've they, they play hard and like it would be a different dynamic than last year when the Cavs just like said okay if you're not Paul George you can shoot that's fine. The the Heat for all of their um you know for their annoyingness like Olenek at the five has unlocked some interesting possibilities for them and that's like a like a like a team that has a system and and has good players even if you know Dragic probably should be the All Star game looking back and. <laughs> You know the Bucks have Giannis, the yeah. Bucks have Middleton, and they're kind of a disaster. And maybe one we're not talking about enough, but they have Giannis, who's a top five player, top six player. And well, the this podcast, football, Locked on Raptors, has been like a Bucks slander podcast for the last two weeks because they're not scary at all. <laughs> Giannis is scary, and like nothing else on that team, like super frightening. Like I love Chris Middleton, yeah, Brogdon, and of course isn't back. I'd be scared of Delhi if he's healthy, just because you just don't know what that guy's gonna do. Yeah, you cut, out, cut out some knees, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be. I mean, Kyle Korver can can attest to that. Yeah, I'm just not worried about uh, Coach Wonderbread over there, whatever the hell his name is. They need, they need like. <laughs> I hope that they're. I hope someone good gets that job. Like if Mark Jackson gets that job, I I'm gonna campaign to get Giannis out of Milwaukee. Well, he's coming to Toronto in 2021 anyway, so <laughs> that would that would help that along. Maybe they could yeah, trade for him a little ex- earlier. Exp- expedite that process a little yeah. bit. And get it. Get him to Toronto faster. Um, the Wizards have Beal and Wall. And those guys are great, and like they they can drop a lot of points in in, in a quick amount of time, even if they have their issues. So, like all these series have things that are going to make be uncomfortable. And there's just uh, the, whereas the, the whereas like the West, as much as it's more competitive in the lower half of it, I just feel like Toronto and Golden State are just going to be way better than everybody. 
Houston and Golden maybe, State? Yeah, sorry, Houston and Golden State. Um, yeah. I can't imagine. I think the East is it could be that, but I also think there's just going to be a lot more just like face punching. <laughs> and, and not like actual face punching, but just like bruising of these teams. Hey, you know, like, Serge Ibaka is in the Eastern Conference. There will be definitely face punching. Yeah, Delhi. <laughs> Delhi. Yeah, maybe Bucks Raptors shouldn't happen if Delhi's healthy. Just so, like everyone can come out healthy. Kyle, you need to like put Kyle, like a Kyle bodyguard. Like Drake, Drake's security team needs to just follow follow Lowry and DeRozan around for that series, so Delhi doesn't. <laughs> but I, I'm excited. I, I just don't know, and I. You're right. You're right. You're right. Losing this back at the beginning, that we don't know exactly what this is going to look like yet. Like if the Sixers lose and the Cavs beat the Knicks twice, which seems like a good thing for both teams, frankly, because the Knicks just should just never win a game until they like figure this all out. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, the Cavs will go to three, and you know they would. They, and who, how the bottom of this D shakes out is, I have no idea. Yeah, that really, Bucks but, that Bucks Sixers game is going to very much dictate a whole lot. That that's. That's going to be yeah. super duper important, and honestly, I could see the Bucks losing against both the Magic and Knicks, and needing to beat the Sixers in order to get the seven seed and avoid the Raptors and play the Celtics instead. And I could see them going all out and beating the Sixers. Like I really could. It's uh, I have no idea what to expect. Well, man. and like in Philly, also to think about them being as a as a past tanking team, they're playing two teams that are a game apart in the, in the tanking standings per mm-hmm. tankathon. Atlanta and Dallas are three and four in those in the in the standings right now. Um, aside from the you know the the, the cluster that if the, the the Nets could get past the Kings in the top six, which should be great. Um, <laughs> like the the Sixers have like a lot to say about how this is going to shape out. And you're right, like that more and that's an 8 p.m. game. Like it's not like the Cavs are going to finish their game against the Knicks and know right away. Like they're gonna. This is going to be one of those scenarios where. Like we basically, as the because I think the Cavs tip a date on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They basically one of those weird situations where they, they play the Knicks at home and then like they we talk to Ty Lue, we talk to the players and we're we're like watching LeBron sitting in his locker because they always I don't know how the Raptors locker room is set up, but the Cavs have a big TV in their home locker room that mm-hmm. guys will watch game. There's always a game on after the game. Right. Or like in the last year's like play Indians playoff games in June or in, in the beginning of the season and stuff, but it's like usually an NBA game. Right. LeBron is always just sitting there like either eating or like put like icing his feet or his knees and like watching a game. Yeah. Like I'm very expecting to watch like Sixers Bucks and have the whole locker room like watching this game as we're <laughs> going. In. Yeah, it's that that one's gonna be insane. Uh, like the the ripple effect that that game could have is uh, pretty substantial. So I'm excited well, for Sean- it. And we're up, Sean, I'm going to ask you one last question What's about up? this. Um, when you look at Toronto, yeah. when you look at how they've been this year, you look at the bench, is there a factor of this new Raptors that you are like concerned it might not be a playoff sustainable thing? Is there any part of them that you're like, okay, I just I need to see it sustain itself over the course of the playoffs and the game does change for me to believe that it's actually real? Yeah, I think like in terms of like the grander scope of how they've played, I think it's gonna stick. Like they just they are a very good offensive team. It's been a very good offensive team all season. They move the ball incredibly well, and like they've stuck and adhered to that pretty much the entire way. My one concern, I think, is the effectiveness of the all five guy bench unit because there's a few reasons. I think C.J. Miles has super struggled lately, and that's concerning because uh, if he's not hitting his threes, that lineup has like very little in the way of shooting outside of Fred VanVleet and 
I like I think you owe it to the lineup to use it and see if you can use it like as an actual weapon to throw at teams in the playoffs because it's been so goddamn good all season long. Like I don't think you can just put it away after all the success it's had over the long run here. But I do wonder, even last night, like the fourth quarter against the, the, the Pacers, the offense of that lineup can kind of get a little bogged down a little bit when it's a half-court style game. They really thrive when they're forcing steals and they have a million guys on the on that lineup who can force steals or, you know, get blocks and sort of turn that into transition opportunities where you know Pascal Siakam is running the break and dunking on dudes or DeLon Wright's kind of going down Euro stepping guys out of their shoes like they're much better when they're running and I like that just seems like it'll be less easy to attain in the playoffs but you know if they're getting defensive stops they usually turn that into some sort of uh you know transition opportunity the other way because they're so damn quick but that would be my biggest concern uh I think the starting five is kind of rounded into form a little bit lately here OG seems to be kind of regaining a little bit of his defensive uh sort of tenacity and he's dunking a whole bunch lately which is really cool uh Serge is kind of back up there Jonas I think we'll see I think his rotational spot will kind of depend on the matchup and we'll sort of cycle back and forth between series but the starting five I think is in a very good spot and the bench you know, there are certain players who I trust a whole lot, but the unit, as I said, it's, as like a whole, I'm curious to see how it'll work out. But that'd be my biggest concern. Other than that, like, I just think they're a really good team. And yes, the last couple of weeks were kind of up and down and there were some bad defensive performances in there, but they just had two of their better defensive performances all season long last night and moved back up in the top five in defense uh, over the course of this week. So I just... Uh, I'm having a hard time being too, too concerned about it. Just the LeBron thing is the one thing. Like, that, that he, he is very sustainable in the playoffs, and his ownership of the Eastern Conference has been the most sustainable thing going. So that's my biggest concern. Um, but, you know, that's always going to be there until it's not. And maybe this is the year it's not there. I don't know. I, I feel scared trying to bet on that. But um, that that's pretty much my mindset going in. The Raptors are really good. They should be considered, like, a 1A favorite, if not a slight uh, you know, second favorite behind the Cavs, but uh, you know, LeBron, he, he's he's LeBron, and that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, that feels just like the, the thing that's just gonna hold true in yeah. a in a way that is maybe it's like annoying because like I want to provide this detailed analysis detail analysis of this, but it's like LeBron's LeBron. What the hell are we gonna or- do to like analyze playoffs when LeBron's not around anymore? Like, it's gonna feel so weird to be like, oh. The, these four teams could potentially make it out. Like it's, it hasn't been that in a long, long time. Yeah, it'll be like yeah, like you maybe someone fills the void. Maybe the Sixers fill the void. We certainly, I think they certainly get talked about in a way that indicates that like they're gonna fill the void. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, actually, Sean, one thing we should touch on, just we've talked around it a little bit, but. Kyrie Irving's injury basically dooms Boston, right? Like, you don't view them as anything. We just need to, like, actually get that on the record because I feel like every time we talk, we, yeah. we talk some crap about the Celtics to yeah. some degree. Um, but it's, like, that ends them as, like, a real threat this year, right? Like, that that's just fact. Like, I don't think there's any other way to spin it. Yeah, like, I think there's a potential for Brad Stevens to outcoach Joe Prunty or Scott Brooks in the first round. A, ch- a chance, a chance. Yeah, sir? like that. That could that's, happen. That's that's kind of you. <laughs> yeah. Joe Prunty should pay you like a hundred dollars for being so nice. Yeah, I the guy who I called Coach Wonderbread earlier because I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have high regard for for Joe Prunty. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I think the the Celtics, they have enough defensively to potentially kind of squeak through a very ugly, like one of the worst series you'll ever see, period. Like it'll be like the levels of that Raptors Heat series a couple of years ago uh, in terms of just like gruesomeness. But I think they could potentially squeak through one of those. But against like one of the upper echelon teams, Raptors, Cavs, Celtics, or Raptors, Cavs, Sixers, like I don't think they have a chance in hell. Um, and like Terry Rozier is being countered on a lot, and he's super inconsistent and kind of likes to play hero ball a bit. And he did that on Wednesday against the Raptors and finished one of nine for two points. And like, if that is what your offense is running through, then you're going to have some problems in the playoffs. And I've always kind of thought their offense was going to be their stumbling block even before Kyrie got hurt um, because they still weren't a particularly good offensive team with him in the lineup. And I thought that would eventually come around to bite them um, even more so now with him out. And it sucks that he's out. Like, it's a real bummer. The playoffs are more fun when Kyrie's in them. But, um, yeah, no, the Celtics are probably going to be a nice story that maybe upsets some team. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see them making anything past the second round. Uh, like, a couple games won in the second round, and that's uh, it's kind of a bummer, but it's just kind of the reality when your two best players go down to injury. Yeah, 100%. I think that is, that's the case, and that's that's a bummer. And it, it, it kind of avoids us of what could have, I mean, if they were healthy, holy crap, these playoffs would be just a fire, would be yeah. a firecracker. Yeah. Um, but man, I don't know. I I'm curious to see how this plays out. I hope we get a chance to talk again about this. I mean, we it looks like second round, but I mean, if, if this holds, I guess. But this is gonna be this is gonna be quite these playoffs in a way that I'm I'm I think in terms of the last four years, I'm more I'm I'm about as excited as I have been just because of everything we've talked about the unknown factor of it and I think that just makes it more interesting in a way I think Toronto being this different team with with the Sixers arrival in some to some degree I'm I'm very intrigued to see just how this plays out because I just don't know and uh, it feels like it's just LeBron versus the world in some ways <laughs> and that in itself if if he just tears everything down again I don't, I don't know what else we'll have to say about what that guy can do yeah, uh, he's unfair. Um, we've gone very long, which the bosses are telling us to take make these shorter, so we, we should probably wrap it there. Yeah. Um, you can follow Chris at CWMWrites on Twitter, uh, fearthesword.com. What else you got going on, man? Uh, you can, whew, I would say that, and find me at the step back from time to time. I'm writing a Quinn Cook take because he just, for some reason, juices my 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 <laughs> desire to write about random NBA players that I just think teams overlooked. Um, but yeah, that's it. Support Lockdown and give both of our podcasts, Lockdown Raptors, Lockdown Cavs, five star ratings on iTunes. Yes, that's, that's the best way to support this network. Yeah, please do that. Uh, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Woodley Sean, as always. You can find my stuff at Raptors HQ. I'll have the recap of the Magic game tomorrow, a game in which it seems like Terrence Ross is going to play. Um, so just expect uh, 600 words about Terrence Ross, mostly. Uh, and, yeah, that, that'll be better. I'll have lots of stuff coming up uh, over the course of the playoffs, so stay tuned for that as well. And the Raptors HQ podcast is coming back this week as well which I haven't done in months because I do so many other podcasts. Um, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to do an episode probably Monday night, something like that. And uh, very, very excited for it as well. And that's going to do it. Thanks so much for everyone uh, tuning in to this Locked on Raptors, Locked on Cavs crossover. Chris, we will talk to you hopefully in the conference finals, but potentially even sooner than that. Yeah, hopefully sooner than that. And everyone, buckle up. This is going to get weird. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.